Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode we catch up with Julie Broad of uh, Revenue.com fame. Many of you may know her as a best-selling author of a Canadian real estate book, and we discuss how she launched that book, so you'll hear some of that in that story, and uh, we discuss also how she moved and kind of grew up in Alberta and then moves to uh, eventually... Um, meets her husband, Dave Penyuk, who we interviewed recently. They moved to Toronto, then they moved back out west, and then they moved to L.A. So this is really a couple who is living life on their terms. And uh, yeah, wait to hear her story. So great story. Before we get into that, I have three things that we want to offer anyone listening to this. The first is if you want any real estate information at all, we have a bunch of it at rockstarinnercircle.com. So you can find a bunch of articles, you can find free copies of our books on that website, you can um, get uh, all the videos that we've put out over the years um, linked off to that site as well. So that's all at rockstarinnercircle.com. If you want to come out to uh, one of our training classes to meet myself and Nick, we teach that class. We hang out after the class to answer any questions. You can come and meet us. The best way to register for that class is um, Canadian Real Estate Training. Dot com um, is one of the websites. You can actually get to it off rockstarinnercircle.com. So now I'm just bombarding you with URLs, but uh, rockstarinnercircle.com or canadianrealestatetraining.com will, uh, will get you links to uh, access uh, registering that free class that we do here in our offices. And if you want to know more about the Rockstar Inner Circle membership, so this is a membership that we've run for over 10 years now um, with a great group of, of members who are real estate investors. You can find out all about that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. So rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. So now that I've just thrown all those URLs at you. Uh, let's get started with the show. And um, we jump into it right away. So this this one is myself, Tom Karadza, and Julie Broad. I'm late to this. We did this over um, Zoom. So there is a little bit of choppiness to this podcast. So I'll apologize that, uh, for that in advance. Um, Julie's talking to us from LA. I'm he, I was doing this from my home office in Oakville. And uh, you, there are a few times she chops out, but uh, that's life of technology and internet connection. So we're going to live with it. Um, we generally like doing these podcasts with people in person here in our offices, but there was no way we were going to drag her up from LA, um, from the beautiful weather down there to do the podcast. And I was late to this. So you're going to hear me like mid-sentence, like apologizing and talking about buying her a steak dinner for me being late and which she responds how she doesn't eat steak because she's a vegetarian. So when we kick off with that discussion, that's why. That's me just wrapping up my apology for coming late into uh, something that I organized, which is really not in my nature, but uh, it happened. So um, with that, let's get to the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Caradza. Are you ready? Let's go. <laughs> Julie, I owe you. Next time we meet, steaks on me. <laughs> Except I'm a vegetarian. But otherwise, yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, I love being a vegetarian, man. I could never, I could never give up. Uh, I love meat. Was that like a health thing? No, it was a, like, I feel sad <laughs> for the animals. It was, eh? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. You know what? You. You're such a nice person. Well, and it's crazy because I'm actually happier. So I think the meat actually took me down a bit, which I mean, you guys are so about quality and, you know, Julie, don't it. tell me that. Don't tell me that the meat took you down. Well, I didn't know until I stopped. Yeah, really? Eh? But, but I really think it makes a big difference. Like I don't have the same kind of, you know, the dips you hit, I don't hit them like I used to. And, and meat's the only thing that changed. We're already recording. Can I use this? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, you know, this is so interesting because I really think, do you think that, because I know I've had a few people tell me that, like, Tom, you know what? You should really kind of try it because the dips in the day and stuff. But do you think that was because you started eating better? I, I, I honestly eat the same. I just, I just stopped eating meat. And the dips you're talking about are energy dips throughout the day? Is that what you're referring More emotional than energy. Um, huh. It's, it's like, you know, 
yeah, it's, it's the sadness, like the, the kind of the depression that you hit, not even, and I don't want to use the word depression. No, no, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that heavy kind of emotional feeling that would hit you sometimes. And you're not really sure, you know, things aren't great necessarily, but you don't really feel like you should feel as down as you do. I don't get that anymore. Is Dave vegetarian? No. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was eating with him in San Diego there, and I don't it didn't look like he was vegetarian to me. No. I no. didn't know if he was like a secret vegetarian, but when he's not with Julie, he's not a vegetarian or something. <laughs> um, okay. Really? Yeah, I'm always fascinated by that. So some of the books that I've read have said there's a few amino acids, and I'm already you know, over my head by saying the words amino acids, but yeah. there's a few amino acids that you can't get unless you eat red meat, and apparently these amino acids are vital for us do you feel like you're getting all the nutrients that you need to get? Are yeah, you still, supplementing? I, I, you supplement with like B12 and that B12, kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So the okay. weird, the weird okay. thing that happened about a year into this was I started getting like, and I still get it sometimes, this uncontrollable itch, like on my legs in particular. Okay. Um, and it's not like I need to scratch it, but it's just like a tingly, itchy feeling. Um, it turns out it has something to do. And again, I am so not like amino acid is even far. Like, yeah, yeah, not. no, same, same. But, but yeah, it turns out it's something to do with, uh, sorry, there's, I'll get my computer shut off here. Um, it's something to do with the nerves and the B12 kind of connects them or does something Got in it. there. Okay. Uh, the medical people listening are going, oh my God. Yeah, who are these people? <laughs> oh my God, how embarrassing. And they so, consider themselves smart for the record. <laughs> I really don't consider myself that smart in many things or for anything at all. But, Me uh, either. <laughs> okay, but the B12 supplementation, it, it, got, it fixed that? Yeah, it helps a lot. It, if, I, if I slack off on it, I get this weird, like, itchy feeling in my legs sometimes still. But that's the only thing um, negatively. But I still eat occasionally fish. And, um, and yeah, I've been tested. I have my blood work tested on a regular basis for iron. and Smart. Blood. Okay, that's, that seems super smart. And, and I'm good. Okay, so you're living in LA now and you are like blessed because there's good functional doctors there. Like even the yes. word functional doctor here in Toronto area is still like, well, what do you mean a functional doctor? Or like a naturopathic doctor who considers themselves a function, functional doctor. So you're lucky because you can probably get mm-hmm. blood. Like we have a great naturopath. I never know if I'm saying that word properly. Oh, that, that sounds right Natu- to me. Naturopath, naturopathic doctor, great guy. And he's been really helpful to me. There's a great woman too in Mississauga, just on the west side of Toronto. Um, but uh, that's great that you're getting your blood work tested. And I feel like in the U.S., you are so lucky. You have so many options. They do it. Like, so we just, we had our regular, like, checkups every year, which they almost require you to do as part of your insurance. And they just automatically do your blood work here. In Canada, it's like, do my blood work. No, why do we need to take your blood? I'm like, do my blood work. Yeah, please. <laughs> it's like you're begging. And then I went to the doctor, like, two years ago, got my blood work done because I was concerned about, like, something with my thyroid. I even forget what I was concerned about. But I asked for the results, and that yeah. was like, oh my gosh, well, you're gonna have to make an appointment and come in in person to pick up the results. And then I picked up the results, and it was like gobbledygook. Like it was like a, it almost looked like it was printed on a dot matrix printer. Like that's yeah. kind of the level of sophistication. And I couldn't make sense of any of it. So what Nick and I did, I don't know if we ever told you and Dave this, we drove down to Pennsylvania because there's a US service, the name's escaping me now. It's one of the nutrition kind of services that you pay 130 bucks, they'll take your blood. And you go to a clinic in the US. So yeah. as Canadians, we could pretend that we were Americans by giving an American address. So we found like a UPS store. Are you still with me, Julie? I am. I turned the video off because awesome. we were getting a little bit okay. of lag. Okay. You know what? I'll do the same. Um, and I went down to the States to do it. And uh, we got this beautiful blood work done on a portal that we logged in like two weeks later with all our marketers, um, more information than I even knew what to do with. And it was like $130 or something. And I feel like I was begging in Canada for that information. So yeah, yeah. you're fortunate. Yeah, good uh, and we, we got the results within 24 hours and it was all on the like a system we log into and the doctor posts notes and you can email your doctor directly through this system no. too. It's oh incredible. <laughs> you know, is it nice to say I hate you? Is that like a kind, that's not a kind thing to say. That's not like a Canadian thing to say. So yeah, I just mean that. I only mean that like I'm jealous of you. I'm quite certain. (laughs) I'm just jealous. You know how one of the seven deadly sins I think is like envy or jealousy or whatever. Totally jealous of that, man. Like I know I shouldn't be like, damn, can I please get that information, please? You wouldn't. 
you'd feel no envy if you knew the hell we went through just sorting out the insurance down here though. Yeah, okay. So you know what, let's <laughs> talk about, cause I think everyone's going to be interested. So we, you know, by the time everyone has heard this point of this episode, I'll have done a more proper introduction. Of you, Julie, so, you know, cause I know we just kind of went into it here, but yeah. Can you talk like how, you know what I'm most curious about first, before we talk about you guys leaving Canada and moving to LA, what were the factors that made you leave your job? Like what mentally did you go through? Like what was your analysis of your life? Like did you, was it on a whim or, you know, for me, when I quit my job, I look, I mapped out 10 years ahead and I thought, oh my gosh, like I don't like, you know, if I stay where I am now, the next 10 years look horrible. Never mind the next 20 years. Like I, I don't want to answer to someone and beg for vacation days and do all this kind of stuff. I got to, I, I'm, I'm going to have to quit. And that was really a big motivator for me. Um, what was it for you? Did you walk away from your corporate job? Because I know, um, we didn't tell everyone yet, but you took your MBA at, uh, at York, I, I believe. Am I remembering yeah, that's that right. Yep. Yep. And then you went into the corporate world, but what, like, what made you quit? Was there like an event or a thing that happened? Well, there, there was an event, but I think, you know, it never happens, even though it happened in an instant, it, it was building for a while. And I'd always, you know, I started investing in real estate in 2001 and it was actually my idea. And then I convinced my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, um, to go along with it. And then it turned out he actually liked it, I think even way more than I did. Um, but, uh, and that was 2001. So I was kind of was thinking plan B, you know, having something to fall back on in the inevitability that I wouldn't want to work for somebody else forever. Um, so that was happening in the background. So I think it was always there, but really the, the moment what triggered it was I had had risen to vice president of sales and client services for the company I was working for. And I had achieved what I thought was the pinnacle of success, which was having a six figure salary. So I'd kind of hit the market where I, you know, hit the marker where I was going for. And, and I spent about a month planning for the, you know, the annual, um, the annual plan that gets presented to the board of directors. And I, I put it all together, sent it over to the president of the company and was meeting with him to review it. And the meeting started with him sliding this single piece of paper over to me going, yeah, I reviewed your plan and here are the three things that you and your team are going to achieve and under them are the five ways you're going to achieve them over the next year. And I looked at it and not a single thing was anything from my plan because, you know, I was, I was suggesting that the company do these crazy things like start a blog, go on Twitter. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah, I scared, I, yeah. Yeah, I scared the heck out of them. Yeah. And and so what really struck me in that moment was I was 100% accountable for the results and I had zero control over how I was going to achieve them. And it was kind of in that moment where I was in a corner and I just thought, I'm done. I, I, I had enough uh, presence of mind not to quit in that moment, but I walked out and called, called Dave and said, hey, I'm done. And he knew when I said, I'm done, it didn't mean I'm going to get another job. It meant I'm done and we're going to figure this out so that uh, we, can, we can carry on from here. Um, the fun of that story is that this was 2008 and he was a commercial mortgage broker um, at a time when there was zero commercial lending happening. So it's not like my six-figure salary was not a big deal in our household. It was everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was the moment. So was it at that exact moment that you started revenue.com or .ca? I'm already free. Is it .ca or .com? Yeah, it's .com. .com. Is that when you started writing the, you know, the different articles? Was it right away? I'd already been sending a newsletter to friends and family for fun um, since I started that in 2006. Oh so that God. was already there. Um, and I already had started the website, I don't know, probably six or seven months before, not really knowing what I was going to do with it. Um, but yeah, in that moment, I was when I started to figure out, okay, what am I going to do to actually turn this into something that makes money? And that was when I started to figure it out. Huh. And so how smart were you sending emails to friends and family? Just what were, you know, I'm curious, what were in those emails? Like, was it real estate tips and stuff? Yeah, it was all real estate. I, yeah. I, I still have our first newsletter somewhere. Oh, how cool is think, that? <laughs> yeah, it was, it's so fun to look back on that. It was yeah. so terrible and yet so great. At yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like I wrote that. And then at the same time, you're thinking, thank God I did that, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think, you know, for anybody listening, you're always going to feel like that. So right now you might think, oh, it's too late to start YouTube videos or it's too late to write a book on this because there's already 20 books on it. It's not like start today and five years from now, you're going to go, Oh my goodness. I'm so glad I started that five years ago. Yeah, totally. I mean, we tell everyone it's not about the tactic that you're using. It's about consistently doing something of value, you know? And uh, yeah, everyone always thinks they missed the boat. So 
That is so cool. I cannot believe you were doing that to friends and family. That's something we tell people all the time. Nick and I always tell people, hey, just offer value to people. So you were doing that. So then when you decided you were going to quit your job, you said, okay, we'll start revenue.com, um, which I was laughing with Dave about, about the URL. Because like for years, <laughs> I, figure, I was like, Re-, like a, I never, you know what, you're, you're going to laugh. I never knew it was the word revenue. I thought it was like <laughs> rev, like revenue, like we're going to rev you up uh, with our real stuff and you're going to take over the world. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, rev, like and I was kind of getting into that angle of it. And then it, I, I swear it, was, it took me a year to realize, oh, it's like revenue. Like, you know, you know, making revenue or making money. And I didn't, I didn't quite connect the dots on that URL that you, <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, we talked about how already, I didn't think I'm that smart. So maybe that goes to that. But, no, uh, it was, it was us being too clever for our own good, really. Um, and this is something I talk about with people, you know, naming their books and naming their companies and naming things, you know, we, we outsmarted ourselves. We didn't think <laughs> about how we'd have to t- always have to tell people how to spell it and how to say it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know, when we, so we didn't know you at the time when we started the real estate renegades.com and we were coming at from the angle, coming at that website at the angle of pure search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's why we had the, re, even though it was called the real estate renegades, we had real estate in the title. We were thought we were being so smart, you know, and all the articles were search engine optimized and stuff. And here you guys are doing the exact same thing and achieving uh, awesome results with revenue, no real estate in the title and nothing like that. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so that's cool. So then when you decided to do that, what was the revenue? Like, how did you make, did you start doing joint ventures with Like, how did you guys support yourselves after you said you're going to quit? How, like, so my, how, I'm, I'm curious, how, qui- how quickly after you told Dave, I'm out till actually quitting? I think it was four months. Cause I, in my contract, oh, I think, um, because I was a vice president at the time, I think I had to give three months notice. So we kind of took a little bit of time to get our own ducks in a row before I quit, you know, just in case, you know, I went to quit and they said, you can go now, you never know. Right. Um, but yeah, in my contract, I actually had to give three months notice. So, um, it took, it took extra, extra time in that regard, um, before I left, but that was good because it gave me time. And as I wound down, you know, I was delegating and teaching other people my job. I actually had less and less you know, to do in my work. So I had more and more time to start building, uh, you know, the company. And, and my first, you know, to, to kind of answer that question, my first uh, course was as a result of a partnership I had with Early to Rise, which was a, is and still is a huge, huge uh, e-newsletter out of Florida. And at the time, I think they had half a million readers. And I had taken their online uh, business course the year before, just trying to figure out how to, you know, internet, you know, this internet marketing thing, what it was all about. And uh, I started writing articles for them. And when I was looking for kind of, uh, you know, an income source, they said, listen, you know, we need a real estate course. Uh, Your your articles perform really well. So why don't you make a course and we'll sell it and we'll split it 50-50. And so that was my first course. Um, you know, little did I know the difference, all the vast differences between American and Canadian real estate. I had no clue, but you know, I just, I just said yes and dove in. (laughs) You know what? I'm happy because you're finally a Canadian who was sharing real estate stuff with Americans as opposed to vice versa, which most of us get. Right. So that's cool. Wow, yeah, and, cool. and the funny part is Americans don't think there's any difference. Even when you tell them, oh, you know, there's a lot of differences. They don't think there's anything different. Whereas Canadians, we know there's differences. So it wasn't a, as big of a deal as I think it should have been that I was teaching Canadian <laughs> tactics to yeah. American people. I love that. <laughs> love that. You know what? And you know what? You just touched on a huge business principle. Like we tell everyone, look, if you're going to quit your job, you're going to need customers or clients or, you know, you're going to need some of your own ability to get business and you either pay for it by running your own ads or you use sweat equity, like, you know, writing articles and blog posts like you and I and and Dave and Nick and we've all done. So you, you pay for an audience to attract people or you build it through just offering good value or you access other people's audiences. So that's interesting because what you did there is you accessed early to rise for, for those people don't listening is as a huge, I mean, Julie, you're like, you got, you got, together with one probably the biggest email list that I'm like aware of. Um, and you were able to access their audience, which is like huge. I'm sure people would, would beg for what you earned there. Um, so you kind of, <laughs> no, but you kind of, you kind of, um, you kind of used one of the three strategies we talk about. You access someone else's audience by offering good value and that kickstarted you. So good on you. That's crazy. Yeah, that was great. 
Okay. So then after that, um, I just want to get to where you left Canada. I know you and Dave did, did a, have done a ton of real estate stuff. I remember talking to Dave. Are you still there, Julie? Do I oh yeah, you? I'm here. Yep. Okay. I remember talking to uh, Dave at one point about rent to own specifically. And I remember <laughs> telling Dave like, He's like, how do you talk to people? I'm like, Dave, you're too nice. You're like a Canadian person. Like, when you get in there, it's like, look, we have a good heart. We're not trying to rip people off here. This, you know, we're doing the right thing. Like, don't worry, just be confident. Go in there and you tell them this. And I remember Dave thinking, yeah, you know, that's okay. And it was like a, we were like, I think we were both giving ourselves a pep talk, you know. And he's like, yeah. Okay, like, this is, I don't know how many years ago, but I remember thinking you guys were incredible because you were doing your own real estate thing and we were doing it and we were both learning on the fly almost. And uh, yeah, those were just fun times, you know? So uh, yeah, it was. So you survived, you quit your job. You and Dave eventually uh, left the beautiful rolling uh, hills of Toronto and Ontario and moved to uh, back to, cause you moved back. Was that to Victoria? No, it was a Vancouver proper. Did you move first? Where did you move back to? Yeah, we went we went back to Vancouver. So because I still had my corporate job at that time, um, and uh, and Dave. Oh, Marshall that was during that period. Bank. Got it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Dave okay. still worked for uh, Scotiabank at the time. So, uh, yeah, we moved back to Vancouver. We quit. I actually quit in Toronto because my head office was there. But um, but yeah, we still lived in Vancouver for a couple of years, working working regular jobs before we quit. But we were doing all our investing on the island, which was also really annoying because we would you know, work all week and then hop on the ferry and spend, you know, three hours traveling over to the island to shop for property to, you know, uh, start, start planning renovations and doing things. So it was, it was a giant pain doing that too. Yeah, but that's what it takes. Like, I think most people don't realize, and, and I think some people don't want us to share it, but you know what, that's giant pain. And, but you guys did it. You know, and that's, I think that's what it takes to, to, to create momentum in a new kind of life path. You, it's not going to be like this balanced lifestyle. Like it, it takes some time, it takes a lot of effort to create that momentum until you can get back to a balanced state. You know, everything in life that's awesome comes from giant yeah, pain. Totally. Like truly. <laughs> yeah. If yes. you can show me some stuff that's just freaking awesome that I don't have to suffer to get. I would love it. But I mean, even my fitness, right? It's, it's painful going to CrossFit and working out to get fit. You know, like everything that is awesome in my life is a pain to get. Totally. You know what? I try to teach my son that all the time. And I know, I think he's here. I'm doing this from a home office here. He's probably here uh, listening to me or can hear me maybe. But I, I try to tell him all the time. I'm like, you know, when you have a busy week, it's really a good thing because then when the weekend rolls around or when that stuff's all over or whatever, whatever you've accomplished those busy items the feeling that you have afterwards is so wonderful because of the stress and busyness mm -hmm. you know it's like you had to suffer you had to go through some stress and some strain to grow but then at the end of that period not only did it help you grow as a person professionally personally whatever you get this sense of satisfaction and the happy moments of your life are that much greater like I find when I'm in Europe for you know a month we go every summer by the end of just drinking wine and having espresso as I'm saying this Julie I'm realizing how much I do like those days but like at the end <laughs> at the end so I'm like doubting myself as I'm saying this but at the end of but the end, you're, it is kind of like, okay, you know what? Like, I, I can't just live this flat life anymore. I do need to go and do something of meaning because this just, like, I'm deteriorating in some way that I can't even fully identify. Like, I need to go back and, like, be productive in some way, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's uh, we're obviously in agreement on that. Yeah, so 100%. How did the, so how does the decision go? So, and just to fill in some of the blanks, and I know I'm going to do it quickly, but you started helping other, you know, real estate investors right across Canada. We've met so many investors through Rockstar that you have graciously kind of referred over to us, but just, you know, rave about you and Dave and how you've helped them over the years and that kind of stuff. So you not only were doing your own real estate investing, you began helping other investors, which is super cool. And then how did you, you know, if I'm, if I'm going too quickly, just, just jump in, but how did you make the decision? Like what was the turning point then to say, okay, we're going to stop this. And for those of you who don't know, I'm sure a bunch of people who know your names will, will know this, but then you guys decided to leave Canada and move to LA. Like what was that moment like? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll back up a tiny bit. So something that happened kind of a few years prior to us leaving, uh, Dave and I were sitting there at the kitchen table and he'd, he'd been working on this commercial property deal. Uh, and I hadn't been involved in it cause I was kind of like, 
like, this is not part of the plan. Why are we doing this deal? But he really wanted to go after it. And so he, he did, and we had an accepted offer and we, we were doing due diligence. And then the seller pulled out and said, and decided not to sell the property. And it kind of sucked because we'd put money and time into it. And Dave was feeling pretty, pretty bummed about the whole thing. And I'm like, well, why were you doing this deal anyways? You know, it really wasn't part of our plan. And, and he said, well, I'm bored. And I said, okay. I said, well, what else could you be doing? And so we started listing off all these things that he could do to make money. And I said, no, no, no. I, I'm not asking you how you can make money. I'm saying, what else do you want to do? And he said, well, and I said, if money was no factor, what would you be doing? He said, well, I'd be in a rock band or I'd be an actor. And I said, okay, great. <laughs> and then we kind of joked about how we heard him. I've heard him saying, and he doesn't know how to play an instrument. <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of narrowed it down. And he said, well, if I was going to be an actor, what would I do first? And I said, well, why don't you just try an acting class and see if you even like it? And, uh, and so we found a local uh, acting teacher and went and took a class and he loved it. And it's kind of funny because it was at that moment too that I remembered when I met him, you know, I don't even know how many years prior to that, like 12 or 13 years before that, uh, he was actually taking acting classes when we first met. But life kind of sidetracked him and as a kid you know looking back he shot all kinds of commercials and short films with his friends on a Betamax and he, there's all these these uh, old old videos of them goofing around and having a fake radio show and all this stuff so like I think he was meant to do this he was born to do it and he just you know uh, got distracted by what everybody thinks they should be doing with their lives uh, and so yeah so he started to pursue that and I started to realize that a you know if he wants to go for this he should just go for it and b you know he did didn't have time to also be involved in the real estate training and education company. And I didn't want to run that company alone. Um, it was a disservice to our clients because I brought different skills and different things to the table than Dave did. And they, my clients, our clients really needed both of us. So I started to turn away from that. And, uh, and then we it, it kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do next and looking at what was best for Dave to get his career going. Cause you know, this is a, a shift in his forties, a big shift. And, you know, I said to him, well, uh, are you going to get there if we stay here in Canada? And looking around, he really wants to do comedy. They, they film tons of stuff in Vancouver, but almost all the good stuff auditions out of LA and they don't film much for comedy in, in Vancouver. So, and that's really where his heart is. You know, if he can make you laugh, he's, it makes his day. So, uh, yeah. Totally. I can see that. In Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of obvious to me, um, less obvious to Dave. So really it's funny because we're here for Dave's acting career, but it was me that said like, okay, like let's rip the bandaid off and just go. <laughs> yeah that's crazy so i mean crazy and in such a good way go. <laughs> um but the, the crazier part is so we made the decision to go um in the background you know on the personal side we'd been kind of well not kind of we had been trying to have a baby um and at that point nothing had happened so we kind of were like yeah it's not going to happen let's go to LA all's going to be fine well as life as it happens life throws you the ultimate curveballs we decide we're going to LA we tell our families and then it's like of course you, know, you get pregnant later I'm pregnant <laughs> Yeah, that so sounds right. People naturally assumed we weren't going to go now. Um, but I was like, no, like we've already made this decision. You know, now it's a question of whether the baby is Canadian or American. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically, because was he born in LA? I've already forgotten. No, he was born in Canada. Just because oh, okay. the, the visa process was okay. an absolute nightmare. Got it. Okay. Cause I was thinking that's so cool. You smuggled him into the U S and it made an American, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. Okay. And the visa process. Yeah. You told us when we, when we met in San Diego, you were telling me how you guys flew to Toronto to the, I guess it was the embassy and went through that mm -hmm. whole process. Um, so that was the, what you had to do to get into the U S and has led you to the guys to the next chapter. Like, good on you. I mean, so many people get trapped in what they think they should do that it's so cool to hear you guys and your story evolve over the years. I remember meeting you guys in um, Las Vegas, I don't know how many years ago, and I feel like this was already going through your minds because I remember we were eating for eating dinner and I think you guys said to, uh, to Nick and myself, you're like, hey, what's next for you guys? Like, what's mm -hmm. And at that point, Nick and I, again, this might be that we're not, very smart <laughs> but we were just like well uh we don't know uh we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing i we kind of like it but that was like we hadn't really given that much thought to what's ne what's next <laughs> but it was clear to me when you guys were asking even after dinner i was i was thinking you know these guys are like they're thinking they're you know they're, they're there's there is a next where you guys are gonna make a move of some sort where you already do you remember that conversation or no 
I do, but I don't, I don't think we had any clue that this is what was in store for us. Yeah. Okay. So you were just thinking. Yeah. We were just thinking what what else other than real estate, I think was what we were thinking at that time. Yeah. I think for us, we would be out of real estate already if we didn't feel um, kind of, you know, we're connected because we have the brokerage and we're working with pers- people directly. It definitely has its challenging days and I'm not going to kid you at all, but there's enough like positives that it's kept us going somehow in some way. But that's cool that you guys, uh, yeah, that's such a, just a monster, another monster leap. Um, and so how is it? So yeah, like what are you now you're in the U S like, like I know what you're doing, but like, can you tell everyone what you're doing <laughs> on this? Because you know what, I think it's so important, and I want to ask you a bunch of questions about it. So yeah, can you just describe what you're up to now? Yeah, I mean, besides skipping down the street because it's pretty much always sunny and always at least warm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Remember how I'm not supposed to be envious or jealous? Jealous? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's coming <laughs> yeah, out it's, again. It's pretty. It's pretty extraordinary, and we do live in a wonderful neighborhood. So all those things you picture of LA, um, we see none of that kind of you know the the negative stuff. And I walk to work every day, so I'm never in traffic. Um, so it's all you know. <laughs> I live in a happy little bubble here. Yeah, um, awesome. But I'm I'm running a company uh, called Book Launchers, and we help people write and publish and sell nonfiction books. And it's all really born uh, originally out of my first book, More Than Cash Flow, which probably anybody who is listening that knows me probably knows of that first book because, um, you know, I was one of the first people to kind of stand up and go, Hey, you know, it's not all about making a million dollars in real estate guys. Like sometimes you get property managers charged with manslaughter and tenants pulling knives on each other. <laughs> yeah. How would you possibly know about that, Julie? Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, I, I, it's, it wasn't born obviously directly from that book, but since that book came out, I've helped so many people with their books, you know, traditionally published and self-published. And I saw so many gaps in the market. You know, if you go to write a book, and the, and by the way, I also saw the massive, massive benefits, especially, you know, in real estate. Um, the people, like people we'd never met before would call us and say, hey, listen, I have half a million dollars uh, to invest in real estate. I read your book. I, I like what you guys are talking about. I'd like to meet with you to see if I can invest with you. And and that ha- that only ever happened after my book came out. Interesting because, so, so I just want to interject there. That's interesting mm-hmm. because at that point, I know when you came out with that book and you had already had a lot of content online. You looked obviously very credible. You had a lot of experience at that point. You were already helping people. So you attribute it directly to the book. 100%. There's a big difference in most people's minds between a blog post and a book. Like even if you have a thousand blog articles online, it's still not the same as a book. And I, it makes sense because if you think about it, um, and I, I have American stats, but 36% of the population has a post-secondary degree, but less than 1% has written a book. And so I think a book speaks volumes to your, you know, stick to itness. You know, you've thought through what you have to say, you know what you're talking about. Um, and it's, you know, it does so much more for you than a business card. And I think that that's why it makes all the difference. You know, not to say blog posts and videos aren't useful too. You know, certainly people who heard of me from other sources would find my stuff online and that would convince them. But the book actually was a source. Like people found the book and then contacted me. I I feel like in today's world, the book just grants you, not in today's world, I mean, it has for years, but it it grants you a certain authority in your subject matter almost automatically. And something, I have a pretty useless university degree, Julie. I I have a degree in psychology, but uh, I, I went to school for engineering, but ended up with psychology degree. But one of the things that um, I remember from that degree was that human nature will dictate that what people conclude about you is much more powerful than what you, you know, tell them you are. Mm -hmm. And the book, what it does is it just, if you have a book on whatever subject matter you're dealing in, people just automatically conclude or assign expert status to you. Rightly or wrongly, it's just absolutely human nature. And when people conclude that about you, it puts you in a much more powerful position to attract business, to negotiate, to do basically everything. So the value of it is absolutely huge. And I know I'm speaking, you know, speaking to the choir here, but, uh, but I'll give, yeah. I'll give two, just to kind of illustrate that I'll give two examples that I've noticed in, in particular down in the States. But as I look back, in my experience in Canada, it was true too. So filling out forms to go on media. So I've done a lot of TV interviews here and in Canada, but filling out the, you know, the hot sheet, the one sheet, whatever you want to call it for your interview, it doesn't say, have you written a book? It says, what books have you written? And I applied to speak at some big conferences down here. It's the same question. 
what list your books here. So they're assuming, like if you were gonna be in front of our audience on this TV camera or in front of our audience on this stage, you've written a book because otherwise you don't qualify to be in front of our audience. It's a very interesting distinction. Um, and in Canada, it wasn't, so, it wasn't so literal, like it wasn't just spelled out like that, but I did notice after my book came out, CTV had me on their, uh, CTV and Global, I was on um, news stations all across Canada after the book, not before. I think I remember seeing video clips of you. That that's super cool. And and I think something else. And I, and maybe this isn't something that's discussed very often. But something that we've realized with a book. First of all, we should go back to your book because it did hit like number one status and a bunch of different categories on Amazon. I remember that. And I know there's a lot of different ways that you can do that and stuff. It hit number one overall because of oh, you did guys. It? It's number well, one overall because of you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it I was... remember you guys were doing a push and we were trying to like promote your book. And well, partly because it was a great book. It is a great book. You guys are great people and there's just a lot of value in it. So it was easy for us because we're very protective of our, of our email list and we don't want to be promoting anything that we don't believe in. So that was kind of an easy decision. So um, that's cool. You know, that, that, that of everything I think we've done over the years, that was a kind of a cool little moment, you know, and it was uh, fantastic. And you guys really like, and I remember this distinctly, we got to the top 100 with kind of what we did top 100 overall on Amazon. And then you realized you guys were like, you were the ones that actually said it to me. You said, let's get it to number one. And I laughed. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, no, we're going to do it. And you sent three emails out to your list in, in one week, which you guys, I don't think you guys we ever, never, do that. We never do that. We, we probably have never done that since. You know, maybe about our own stuff, but never for like someone else's thing. Not, not at all ever. Yeah. 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 So I'm eternally grateful because I know for a fact without that kind of support behind the book, it never would have gone to number one. So, so I'm still to this day, I'm so thankful. Yeah. Those are the moments, you know, life's about moments though. That was a special thing. I think it was fun for us too. Right. So that's, that's cool. And, and I think just about, the book now I'm, I'm reminiscing in my mind. I've totally lost my, my, my uh, <laughs> uh, line of thought there, but I think the value of a book that we kind of found um, is that you can use the book in many ways. Like it got you into some speaking engagements, just like you said on that hot sheet or one sheet or, or whatever that form was by like, what books have you written? Mm-hmm. Nick and I have found the value of a book is we've used our books and maybe this isn't like the right way uh, to use them, but we've used them as lead generators for our business and given away digital copies of them. And again, I'm not telling anyone to give away a book or anything. I just mean for our business, it kind of worked because we were able to say, Hey, here's a bunch of real estate information. And it really attracted a lot of people to our business. And because it was a book, it granted us some authority because it was a free digital copy. A lot of people raised their hands and said, yeah, I'll I'll gladly take a copy. So it's been a great mechanism to grow a business as well. Um, And maybe like a backward sort of way by like offering you know, you don't even have to offer the full book. You could offer chapters or snippets or whatever, but there's all these angles to a book that we really never thought about when we were starting out. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of what we do at Book Launchers too. So one of the things, one of the reasons I started the company was because so many companies will help you with marketing or editing, or even they'll coach you, but nobody was sitting there and going, okay, if you want to use this book to get paid speaking engagements, or you want to use this book to raise money for your real estate deals or to get clients, you have to strategically plan that before you start writing the book. Now you can luck out and have it work out. But in a lot of cases, if you don't plan, you know, if you don't figure out why you're writing the book um, before you write it, it won't work. So that's really what we do. And so a lot of the things that we're looking at is, okay, are we going to give it away free for free? Or are we going to try and get it on the bookstore shelves? And if so, why? And then inside of the book, you want to be strategic because for example, the first couple of pages of your book, they're going to show up on Amazon in that look inside. And so if you're smart, you can get leads from that, whether somebody buys your book or not. I mean, you want them, if they're buying your book, you 100% want them to be on your email list and to get your free. Yeah, what a great idea. Yeah, but if they're not buying your book, but they're browsing it on Amazon, why not have a killer offer on the first page and get a lead from Amazon, right? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh my so God. yeah, it's, it's really like, there's so many things you can do. And one of the things I did with my book and we're working with some of our clients to do is use it as currency. And so, you know, with Canadian real estate wealth magazine, they wanted books to give away for people who subscribe to two or three years of a subscription to their magazine. So I gave them five, I think it was 500 books. It cost me, I think $2,700 in total. And in exchange, I got almost $40,000 worth of advertising in the magazine and at their trade shows. So and I couldn't have done that with a digital book and I couldn't have done that with pretty much anything 
anything else I had to offer because they wanted a physical, tangible thing that was of value to give away. So uh, yeah, there's, it's endless with what, what you can do with a book. How do you tackle the topic of like, hey, I don't know if I have enough experience to write a book on my subject matter because I, I think that's a lot of what we hear. Well, people will tell us like, oh, you're telling me to, you know, a book is a good idea, but I don't think I'm the, like, do I, can I really be the person to write a book? And I kind of have an answer that I use for that, but I'm, I'm curious, do you face that? I'm, I'm sure you do. Like you must get that from people who are saying, well, who am I to like be writing this book? I'm sure there's yeah. some people who clearly are overconfident and, and like think they are the king of the hill and are willing to write a book. But I know there's a lot, I know there's a lot of people um, who have that fear of like, well, you know, am I really, cause I know when we started real, helping other investors in the real estate world, we did fight with that. Like, well, who are we to like tell people what to do and guide them? You know, are, are, are we really good enough? Do you must struggle with that or people must struggle that, with that when they approach you. Yeah, I mean, I get that it's, it, it, I know it's the, am I successful enough to write a book? But how it always, it always, always comes out is somebody says, well, I haven't got to the point where I have that, the, the ending to my story yet, um, which is really their way of saying, you know, I haven't achieved this pinnacle of success. And there's kind of two things that I point to. Uh, one is, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul, you know, even Tim Ferriss's Tools of the Titans. Um, you know, there's so many books out there that aren't necessarily the author's experience. Um, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, they, you know, they went out and they got the expertise from other people. And by doing that, they're the one that is held up as the expert. So that's kind of part one. If you really, truly don't think you have enough. Um, but the second part is also <laughs> kind of looking at it as is you know, who, who does somebody really want to learn from? Uh, are they going to want to learn from Mark Cuban or, um, you know, uh, Donald Trump? Well, that's a terrible example now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, his real estate books were interesting until the last few years where you can't mention his name. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, who do you really think you're going to relate to and learn from? That person that's like a bazillion miles ahead of you. It's like the name that everybody knows. Or somebody who's just 10 miles ahead of you on the road and has actually just experienced and overcome the very thing that you're about to face. Uh, and I think that most people really uh, want to learn and will get the most benefit from that person who's just ahead of them on the road. Yeah, I, I so totally agree with that. And the way kind of I break it down for people is I say, okay, look, in your subject matter, rank yourself out of zero to 10. Like, where are you the expert? Are you like the beginner, absolute beginner where you have no concept of what you're talking about? Or are you the 10 out of 10 where you are the the, you know, you are the expert of experts, you know, you're like the Dalai Lama of whatever, like you are talking about and rank yourself and, I, and I'll get all interesting answers. Some people will say, well, I'm a six or I'm a four. And some people will say, I'm a four. I'm like, great. Because if you're a four out of 10 in your subject matter, that means you have people who are a zero, a one, a two, and a three out of 10 who need help, need guidance, and you're further down the path than them. And the good news is, is because you're not a 10 out of 10, you can speak at their level. So even exactly. though, yeah, so that you're the four out of 10. So when you talk about things, you're still talking accurately to the people who are the one, two, zero, one, two, and three. And you're going to resonate just to your point, Julie, you know, people don't always want to learn from like the, the king of the hill people because they speak at a different level. And so your book might help people go from like a zero or a one to a three. And then maybe they will move on and like find other books and that kind of stuff that takes them to the next level. But also over the years, you will grow and then you'll be writing your next book. And now you're the seven and a half out of 10 and you attract an even bigger audience. So even if you're a four out of 10, a three out of 10, it doesn't mean that what you have experience wise can't help a ton of people. So we're always like, go spread your message. As long as you're coming from a good hearted place and you're not trying to rip people off or spread like evil messages, you know, share your story because your personal story. And I, and I tell, sorry, I'm, I'm getting, I know I'm kind of ranting here a little bit, but I just tell people like my story and Nick's story is very different than Julie's story and Dave's story. So when we share our real estate information, we're never, when you guys were doing real estate stuff still, Julie, I never felt we were in competition with anyone because I'm like, our story is going to resonate with some people, but some other people are going to resonate with someone like a Julie and a Dave because they're coming at it from a slightly different angle with a, their own unique voice. And we should all be there supporting each other and helping each other along the path. So there's no competition. There's no, you know, like this isn't a bad thing. It's, it's, it's you share your story, be helpful to people, and there will be an audience for you. 
Am I, am I ranting too much? Does that? No, it's I completely agree. And it, and you're actually saying the one caveat I was going to give to anyone, no matter where they sit on the scale. And that is that you have to be careful that you're not just going to regurgitate what you think everybody else in the industry is teaching or even what you, you know, what the standard thing is. You have to put your personal voice and your personal story in it because that's the only thing that will make your book stand out and therefore make you stand out. And so what you just said is, is essentially the caveat I was about to put on this is, you know, it doesn't matter what your experience level is. If you're just going to regurgitate the same stuff everybody else talks about it, you know, the book's going to do nothing for you, but bring your personal perspective and that's what gives people the massive value. Um, yeah. And then that also gives you the massive benefit of the book so yeah no it was good 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 did, rant did uh cool okay good do you guys have any ways to pull out people's personality a little bit because i find people will get a little bit too professional sometimes when they're writing a book and and is that something you help people with like i'm, I'm just trying to think yeah. myself yeah yeah so that's yeah um, no we i mean one of the very first things the very first people i hired onto the team is uh our writing coaches and my the my favorite writing coach, my main writing coach that I send people to, uh, worked as a stand-up comedian for many years. He used to work, he, he worked with Ellen and Larry the Cable Guy and a lot of people. Um, he also took a computer book and turned it into a seven-year running TV series where he wrote the series and started it. And what he does beautifully- Wait, so time out, time, time yeah. out, please, time out. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. and I shouldn't be interrupting you here, but we talked about that a little bit when we had met up last time. The level of talent you're able to, uh, you know, get to work with you in LA is now I'm jealous and envious yet again, because like, <laughs> listen to the people that you're able to, you know, these are all LA people, I guess. Like, are they? Yeah, yeah Emmy, so an Emmy nominated writer, yeah, you know, yeah. people who have worked with yeah, good for you. Wall Street That's Journal great. best-selling books. Like the list is, and, and, and exceedingly, I, I had a hard time choosing because there was so many. <laughs> Yeah, good for you. Okay, so sorry, but go on. So yep. you have this great team and they obviously have experience and help people pull it all out of themselves, I guess? Exactly. So he has a really great process for working with the majority of our clients. And I say that because everybody has different personality fits. So I have two other writing coaches that I will direct people to as well. But um, yeah, I find especially uh, with real estate and finance books, he does a beautiful job of finding that, you know, that just that slight, you know, just tilting a little bit this way. So you're that much more different than everybody else and finding a way to make your personality stand out and shine. And a lot of it, just so if you want to do it, you know, on your own and you're not going to work with a writing coach who can do this, you know, just ask yourself, what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced and what did you learn from that? What are some of the biggest successes you've had and what did you learn from them? And those are your pers like key perspectives and kind of go to the lowest moments and the highest moments and see what your big lessons are and how those lessons could help other people. You know, on your YouTube channel, and uh, I can't remember it off the top of my head, so maybe you can remind us how to get there, but you have one of the videos, and I think it's the main intro video, talks about how a lot of authors will, um, or, you know, soon-to-be authors, will get obsessed with this idea of, like, how many books am I going to have to sell to break even? <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, like I'm really so that's the perspective that most people come from and and what is your since we're talking about what is your YouTube channel yeah it's booklaunchers.tv and it's really my pet project and and you can see Dave on there too I usually put him to work to bring some humor into a lot of the videos too cool, cool. <laughs> So we can catch um, yeah. up on Dave's shenanigans through your it, YouTube channel. Exactly. Yeah. The one I just put out uh, last week has him doing cheesy pickup lines on me at a bar. Yeah, so. cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a lot of people are trying to figure out, like, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I don't expect my book to make money. Well, my book made gobs of money and directly and indirectly. And I think a lot of people's books could. So I'm always like, well, forget about break even. Let's 10x it. Like, what can we do to 10x the cost of your book? Because it is an investment of your time. And, it, and to do it professionally, it is an investment of money. Uh, but uh, it's easy to get a really great return on a book if you're strategic about writing the right book. Yeah, I think I, I really and just to bring it back, I think it can be a cornerstone of whatever you're doing in your life if you use it properly. That tip that you I, I'm freaking out about that tip that you shared on Amazon, like putting an offer on offer in the first couple of pages because Amazon does the preview. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff is golden. So if you're doing that kind of stuff with people, that's just in, in incredible. So this it, I'm, I'm curious now you've started the business there. Like you're, it seems like you're living in the sun. You got, I'm sure you got all these cafes, your son, how old is your son now? Uh, 15 months, 15 months. What, uh, as a, you know, as a Canadian moving down there, anything has surprised, like what has surprised you? Has it been easier? Are you guys freaking out? Do you miss family? Like what's the, what, you know, what, what's been the, what has the process been like? 
I've, I've, the one surprise, now that we're settled, so if you asked me this last year, I, would, I was miserable because actually this point last year, we were just arriving in Los Angeles and had to sort out the DMV and our driver's license and car importing and bank accounts and all that stuff. It was a nightmare. Um, like there was about three months of just pure torture trying to get settled here. Uh, but once that was done, uh, yeah, the sunshine really kicks in. But for me, the, the two biggest surprises have been you know, how much I really love it. Like when we came down, we kind of pictured, you know, six months here, six months at home. Um, this, it feels like home now. I'm, I'm very settled. I miss family, of course, but, um, but yeah, I really love it so much here. Uh, way more than I ever could have imagined. So I'm really glad we, we ventured on this venture. <laughs> yeah. Cause like I, you know what, I, you might not know this. So we're, who knows when someone will be listening to this, but if you're listening to this, we're, we're recording this like beginning of May and two and a half weeks ago, I don't know if you know this in, in Toronto, two and a half weeks weeks ago, it was my niece's first communion and we had a snowstorm. I don't know if you know that two and a half weeks ago, we had a snowstorm here. I was literally, people were stuck in the church parking lot. I was literally getting out of my car, pushing them with big winter boots on. So this would be mid April and uh, pushing people out of the parking. Oh my goodness. Massive snowstorm. And, you know, I can just envision at that time on that day, I was probably pushing people out of the snow, getting wet snow and sleet all over ice. It was a disaster. And you and Dave were probably like at the Bulletproof Cafe um, having um, (laughs) collagen bone broth. Uh, Well, actually, can you eat, do you eat bone broth or no? I do not. Oh, you do no bone broth. Okay. So Dave was having some collagen (laughs) bone broth. And you, you know, the sun was just uh, gently giving you guys some vitamin D and uh, here we were struggling in the snow. It's much nicer now, (laughs) but uh, cool. And uh, do you, have you gone like done all the sites? Like are you, when people come to visit, are you tourist guides right now? Yeah, I mean, that's actually been the other wonder. So, I mean, the people here are phenomenal. Like I have friends in the neighborhood, you know, I kind of. I feel like we live in Trumanville, if you know, if you've seen Yeah, yeah, totally, show. totally, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like it, it feels a little bit like that. Like, I, we know our neighbors. We, I say hello to people in the grocery store. Like, I know people everywhere. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I forgot my question. I got so, I No, 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 just like, are you, you're liking it. So, uh, oh, oh, the visitors, that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the sites. So, yeah, we've had more visitors here than we've had, than we had on f- five years living on Vancouver Island. Like, yeah. so many people come to LA for so many reasons. So, yeah, we get, we've been to Disneyland three times already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll, you'll, I'm sure you get sick of it at some point, but for right now, it's still awesome. And then um, what was the temperature in like January, like this January? What, what did you guys have to deal with? Are you still shorts uh, and t-shirt or no? I, I find it chilly now. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Six, yeah. It was it didn't take long to really beat the Canadian out of you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like 14 to 17 is kind of winter here. Yeah, I like um, how you're still using Celsius. That's great. I switched it for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Notice that. Extra marks. Yeah, very cool. I'm still Canadian. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I love it here, but I'm still Canadian. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Okay, I want to circle back to the book thing just because uh, I, I want to honor some time here. What what are you know what what are the the kind of things you tell people are are there common mistakes? How about getting started? Like, does someone you know do they struggle with getting started? Is that where book launchers come in? You guys, will you help? Will you guys help like ghostwrite the book? What are, what are some of the things that you guys do specifically? Yeah, we, we do everything from start to finish. So we will, everybody starts with the writing coach to figure out the hook of their book and to plan out the table of contents. At that point, they can write the book with the ghost, with the writing coach's help, or we have ghostwriters. Um, and the ghostwriters, there's two ways to approach it. So a lot of people come to us. We work with a lot of people who have podcasts who want to turn their podcast content into a book. So they have a ton of the content already. So the ghostwriter will do what we call as a content assist, which really isn't writing. It's just taking all your content and, you know, turning it into something that's readable as a book. Cause you can't and that can, that can come into a coherent book just by like, cause I feel like that's just yes. dumping a bunch of content at you guys. That's why you have to have a writer do it, yeah, got um, it. to thread it together. But it's still, you know, it's a lot of people are like ghostwriting is cheating, but I, you know, to me, the ghostwriter just provides the words. It's your expertise. It's your voice. Um, they're just providing the typing. You know, I, I read some celebrities say, I don't do my own typing. So that's how I picture ghostwriting now is just somebody who doesn't want to do their own typing. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's one option is if you have a lot of content and it's, you know, a very affordable option to get a book done. Um, the other option is having the ghostwriter interview you to extract all the information and, uh, and then they write the book. And then from there we have the full, uh, the full team that a traditional publisher has plus some extras, um, you know, cause the, the traditional publisher, even if you got a traditional publishing deal, which is really not 
going to be much of an option for most Canadians listening to this because there's so few um, business books actually printed and published in Canada. So you'd have to get your book deal out of New York, which is almost impossible now. Um, but uh, even if you went with a traditional publisher, they don't market your book for you. The only real thing that they offer nowadays is distribution, um, which you can get on your own too. It's just a little bit more work. Um, so you're going to have to market it. So we actually have a team of people who will market it at the end, but we'll edit it. So we have multiple editors. We have a content editor, copy editor, a proofreader. Then we put it through a layout design um, for ebook and for print. And then we do cover design. And for cover design, just anybody who does this on their own, um, it's like, 40% something you are proud of and 60% all about the thumbnail because all that really matters is that is going to stand out in the category of books that you're in because 80% of book sales are happening online now. Um, and by the way, print book matters a lot for business books. It's still 70% of business books are sold in a print format. Um, so you still want to have a print book in case you were wondering about that too. And um, any, do you have any stats on where people are reading? Like I still read a lot of, like I'll, I'll order the book, I'll buy the print copy, even if I get the digital copy. And if it's a book I like, I then buy the print copy. But are people reading the same way as they buy? Uh, you know, like, so like for, you said 70% of business books are still bought in print form. Is that what you just said? Yeah, exactly. Okay. More than, it's a little bit over 70%. Okay. And then is, I guess then that the reading of it equates the same way. There's no I, other kind of data. Like, I'm just wondering if Amazon has data of like, well, people who get the digital version, like then order the print version. They don't, just, share, they don't share their information. Yeah, so a lot yeah, of this gets it. extrapolated. But what I can tell you from my own experience is that the audiobook translates into people buying the e-version or the e-version translates into the audiobook because they have this thing called whisper sync. Um, so you, a lot of yeah, people this is will great. Yeah, sorry, it. go on, yeah. go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so a lot of people will read their book, but then they get in the car and it will sync up. And so wherever you left reading, it now picks it up in, in your car, for example, or wherever you're listening. And it will then pick up where you left off on the e-book. So switches back and forth. So I do know from my own book um, that, that, that that happens a lot is if I get an ebook sale, chances are somebody is also buying the audio or vice versa. Um, that happens. I don't, you don't know for sure because you don't know who's buying, but just from talking to people, um, a lot of people, probably 30%, 40% are buying both versions. Okay. And then aside from promoting your book yourself, like if you're to do that on your own website, word of mouth, spending your own money and, and maybe doing that um, with your help or without your help, however, is Amazon the be all and end all right now of book distribution and sales? Or is it still valuable to go into like Barnes and Nobles, you know, the old kind of like chapters Indigo up here? What's, what's the story around that? Well, I actually think, so, I mean, a lot of people will pursue Amazon um, because of the ego reasons, right? They can say they're the number one bestseller in their category and it feels great to rank. Um, but if you really want to move a lot of books, you want to look for bulk buying opportunities. So this is a lot of what we do behind the scenes for our clients, but also what you can do on your own is figure out who has your ideal reader in their audience already. Um, so think revenue and rockstar real estate, right? Yeah. Um, we had the same, the same uh, people. Uh, and so, but think about that. And I often say, think about it as somebody who doesn't do what you do. So um, in, our, in my case, you know, we were a pure real estate training education company. You guys had a brokerage. So if we're just forgetting about the, the, all the great training and stuff you guys do that would be a, like a perfect match made, right? So you're looking for people with the exact same audience and you might be able to sell them bulk books. They might be a promotional partner. They might uh, have, have events where they would buy a book for every copy or for every person in their audience, or maybe they would pay you to speak. Um, and then you could sell books at the back of the room, but we're looking for those bulk opportunities. And to give a non real estate example, um, cause sometimes th that'll trigger ideas is we have a, somebody who's putting out a fitness book and inside of that fitness book, she mentions a few pieces of equipment and a few kind of supplements that she loves. So one of the things we're going to do as her book comes out, and we're getting the launch going, we're going to contact those companies and you never know, like they might be thrilled that there's this third party recommendation of their product and maybe they want to give her product or give her book away with product as a promotion at some point so there's all these kind of massive opportunities to get your book in front of your ideal reader who probably is your ideal client uh, if you've done it right and really kind of catapult your sales and it has nothing to do with Amazon but um, but yes as far as selling books you know most of your sales are going to be driven through Amazon um, you know for Canadians a chapter's indigo still is relevant uh, and I'd say my more than cash flow book I haven't looked at it in a year or so, but uh, I'd say about 25% of my sales were coming from chapters in Canada and 75 from Amazon. So chapters Indigo still relevant. 
And it's interesting. We, we even offer our, we have three different books now, but our primary book, Income for Life, we offer it away digitally for free. But some people are, have told us, and they've become great clients and members of ours. They'll tell us quite frankly to our faces, I didn't give you my email address because I didn't trust you guys at that point. So I went to Amazon and bought your book, even, exactly. though, you were giving, <laughs> yeah, yeah. even though you were giving it away for free. Some of those people now work with us as members of the Rockstar <laughs> team. You know, and, but that's why you want to be in multiple places. And it's, it's astonishing to me. They're like, wow, you actually spent the money. Uh, we were giving it away for free. So you totally want to be in multiple places. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this authority concept, I just, we touched on it earlier, but I just want to bring that home because whatever you're doing in business, whether you're starting or looking to grow a business, I think the book gives you not just authority, but this idea of celebrity authority. I think rightly or wrongly, and, and, and Julie, I'm, I'm sure you see the same thing, that we live in a world where people don't just want the authority, they want the celebrity authority in that niche. And somehow a book just adds to that. You know, you could be doing your YouTube videos and email marketing and whatever you're doing. But when you add a book onto that, it really brings you to have a, a little bit of celebrity authority in your niche. So you might not be a celebrity nationally, but within whatever sector or niche and you're kind of participating in, you become a bit of a celebrity authority in that niche. And really that is an extremely valuable position to be in. So, you know, it's, it's kind of why all the businesses that we like, whenever I find they don't have a book, I'm always telling them, oh my gosh, I can't believe you don't have a book yet. Like you gotta, you gotta put down, <laughs> you gotta get busy with this book. And you know, I've, I've handed out your URL multiple times already. Can you, um, where, like how does, where, is, we talked about the YouTube channel. Is there the website? How do people find more information and, you know, get some stuff from you? Yeah, so a booklaunchers.com. And if you want, I've got this great little ebook. It's all about the eight ways to sell a thousand books for under a hundred dollars. And truthfully, they're free. Like the only cost in that in those eight ways is a poster. And it's how I took my first book to number one. It's it's how my first my second book went to the top one hundred and you know what we do with a lot of our clients. So um, you know, it's kind of gorilla grill or bootstrap marketing for books. And you can get that at booklaunchers.com forward slash sell books. Uh, and uh, and that's a great little ebook book to kind of help you think through your marketing. Because I think before you start writing, you want to be thinking about how you're going to sell your book and, and what your goals are for your book. But um, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, YouTube, comment on any of those videos. I love my YouTube channel. I hang out there way more than I should. Um, and so that's an easy way to get in touch with me really fast. <laughs> uh, I'm so scared of so many YouTube comments. Maybe it's because we're in the real estate niche. Like I put some stuff up and I'll get comments back and I'm just like terrified to look at oh it. You're such a good, you're such a good person that you're commenting back on YouTube. I mean, you have a lot of mental fortitude, Julie. I just kind of like break down. I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I looking at these comments? I can't, I can't do it. There's okay. one video on my old revenue channel. This made me laugh. So it's got like almost 300,000 views. Like it's almost what I would call oh a gosh. viral video. Wow. Yeah, that's but great. if you look at the comments, like I talk about it's, it's five things tenants never clean in their rental unit. So if anybody wants a kick they can go to the old you know revenue channel on youtube and find this video but some of the comments it's like somebody said i can't believe you don't take pets when you have a dog face oh my <laughs> like, people are so yeah i know oh my. you know and, and and the comment threads get way off top like yeah just like that one got way off top people are like insulting and then they go way off topic you know yep. and you're like it's associating you with stuff that you never said so, uh, you know, yeah, and just but because we mentioned revenue a few times, we should mention what is the YouTube channel for it? I just, yeah, when you go to youtube.com, just type in R-E-V-N-Y-O-U um, and it's there. I, I don't maintain anything. I don't respond to comments on the revenue channel. I don't even read them anymore, um, partly because people are calling me dog face. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasant world. But, but it is there. If you want to talk to me, they'll go to booklaunchers.tv or booklaunchers.com. Yeah. Awesome. Julie, thank you for this. Next time, uh, we didn't mention it, but last time I was with you and Dave, Nick and, uh, Nick and I were down in San Diego and Dave and I raced electric scooters around. We thought we were really cool. I thought it, we were really daring until I saw the video and realized how slow we were going. But these things were going 15 miles an hour. And I swear, I told Carol, my wife, I'm like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. We were like the scooter gang in San Diego and we were racing around. There was like six of us racing around San Diego. And we went into a parking garage and raced around and into a, a, a mall that was closed down. I'm not even sure I should be sharing all this kind of stuff. But we <laughs> raced around and we just had so much fun. So just, um, yeah, love hanging around with your husband. So I don't know. Uh, it's another excuse to uh, race electric scooters. Because you said those electric scooters are now in LA, right? 
Yeah. So, and our neighborhood has them everywhere because we're kind of a tech hub, right? Like I'm Pinterest is just down the hall from me in my office building and Yahoo and Google and uh, Facebook, like they're all in this, they call it Silicon beach, the neighborhood that I'm in because it's near the beach and it's like mini Silicon Valley. And yeah, so they've thrown these scooters everywhere and they literally litter, litter the sidewalks and they block entrance ways. And it's like the wild, wild west out there. People just grab these. I know. And you just, if you've never seen them, you really just sweat, you get the app on your phone, you, you put in your visa. It's not expensive and you just swipe your um, the little app on the little barcode reader and it unlocks these scooters and you take them around the city there and then you just, wherever you get to, you just leave it and hit the lock button. They lock back up and you just walk away. It's so brilliant. Um, yeah. That alone is an excuse to come visit you guys. But anyway, Julie, thank you so much for doing this. We'll do it again at some point. Um, tell Dave I say hi and uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradz again. So, um, you know, we love doing these shows where we get to talk with different people who are really living life on their terms. And Julie Broad and her husband, Dave Penyuk, are great examples of that. So hopefully that was uh, some fun listen uh, to listen to. Uh, definitely had fun catching up with Julie. Those uh, good times, um, you know, we, we kind of, I guess, grew up together with the real estate um, business when they started uh their website and we started uh, doing what we were doing uh, over 10 years ago. So good times. So if there's any real estate information that you're looking for, again, the URL to go to is rockstarinnercircle.com. If you want to learn about the Rockstar Inner Circle membership that we run, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And if you want to come out to the um, one of the introductory free training classes we do about real estate um, um investing, you can register for that at rockstarinnercircle.com as well. So you can find links to that as well. So with that, hopefully you're enjoying the show. We are loving doing this stuff. Thank you for the continued positive feedback. If there's any information you want to hear on the show, any ideas for uh, different guests, feel free to email podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com and that will make its way to us. So with that, until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>